Hello and welcome to a new episode of Other Record Labels. I'm your host, Scott Orr. If you're new to the show, thanks for tuning in. This is an exciting episode with a great indie label called Jag Jaguar, home of Angel Olsen, Moses Sumney, S. Carey, and of course, Bonnie Vera. If you're new to the show, um, please check out some previous episodes and subscribe. I imagine we're going to have some new listeners because of this episode. Um, also, if you are somebody who is running a record label, or a DIY musician, we have some resources at our website, including a free guide, which is a a culmination of a lot of advice that our previous guests on the show have given us on how to run a record label or how to start a record label. So go to otherrecordlabels.com to download that. Today's conversation is such an honor. I'm such a fan of Jag Jaguar and the whole Secretly group and the story behind that. And we have another great episode coming up very soon uh, in this big family. Um, so please make sure you subscribe. And I really hope you enjoy the interview today with Eric from Jag Jaguar. I mean, that's what I like about um, what I like and hate about indie music sometimes. It's just how small the world really is yeah and like you know in a what have we been on the phone for all of like four minutes now we've like got a yeah exactly made a connect made in four different connect. degrees With yeah your neighbor across the yeah <laughs> yeah that's true <laughs> yeah. i know yeah though that is true i guess and that's uh, a testament to um behaving well and you need to like be a be a good person in this industry because it's not going to oh. be hard to you burning one bridge will burn them all True, true, true. Or you got to be very careful about which bridges you choose. (laughs) Yeah. Am I going to need this bridge later? (laughs) Very strategic. Can I make this jump on my own? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I told someone yesterday that I was going to, I was doing this, uh, doing an interview with Bonnie Vare's label. And I said that as a way to kind of uh, attach how important uh, this interview was. I imagine that's a pretty common way to refer to Jag Jaguar. What's it like having a flagship artist? Does that make it hard for the label to have it, to have its own identity? If, if it's always, or maybe it's just in my circle of friends, but it, for me, it, you know, it feels like the identity of the label is often um, t- connected so tightly with, with the flagship artist. I mean, it's interesting. You know, I, I don't really dwell on it all that much. So I'm, I'm kind of just going off the dome here a little bit. Okay. <laughs> uh, I can talk about it from a, from two ways. Is like I think up until a certain point, um, until m- recent years, I think Jag was always very much considered like a lot of indie rock. It's for white dudes of a certain age with beards <laughs> okay. in the music they're into. Right. Bon Iver happens to be a white dude with a beard. Right. right. That's true. <laughs> um, but I also feel like he's the artist that has bridged all these genres and brought them, you know, connected us with Kanye West, you know, like the the list, the list goes chance, the rapper, the list goes on and on and on. And like, as an institution and and as individuals in this, in this company, uh, our listening habits are expansive, you know? And it's like, uh, so when I think about being tied to a flagship artist, I'm like, man, it it is the flagship artist that like gave me a bit of courage as A&R to reach out to artists that are also part of my listening habits that might not be 
immediately associated with Jag Jaguar's history. Oh, that's you know? cool. Whether that's Moses Sumney or Jamila Woods or that's like, cool. you know, yeah. Um, and so I, I do feel like there is it, it, there is some confidence there that uh, I, I wouldn't say it's because of Bon Iver, but I'm like, you know what? It does make sense for Jag Jaguar. Yeah. This is why. It, and, you know, I think so long as our um, internal hires uh, continue to, uh, uh, mirror the diversity of the, <laughs> yeah, sure. We're signing. Good, I think good, yeah. there's always going to be a good balance between those two things, you know? Um, but I'll also say that I'm from like a small town in, in Northern India, a really small town and, uh, 2000 people okay. in like North central <laughs> Indiana. And, um, my sister's a totally normal person. And it, and I, I, I've said Bodhi Vare around her probably 50 times trying to explain what I do. They still think yeah. I work in a record store or a recording studio <laughs> yeah, that's or right. whatever. And, um, it, I, like a year and a half ago, I was at one of my niece's birthday parties and I was like, yeah. And someone was asking me again, like a friend of my mom's or something yeah. was asking me about uh, what I did. And I was like, you know, our biggest artist is probably, probably Bony, Bony Bear. He has this song called Skinny Love. And my sister looked up. She's like, Skinny Love. And I'm like, yes. I've said this a thousand times, you know, over the last 11 years. And and finally, I mean, I've lied. I've said that we put out Beyonce's records. I've said that we've put out just to see rock the boat and stir up some attention about what I do for a living and nobody ever cared. No, we put out Beyonce's record. You know, we do that. We did right, this. We did this. Right. And like, no one cares. They, they, they don't care. You know, right. I've been, I've been with like artists on David Letterman before and I'm telling my parents I'm going to David Letterman. Yeah. And they the Grammys. Only they've been, yeah, they've yeah. been watching David Letterman for, you know, at, when he was on air decades yep. yeah. with me, you know, like we were fanatics cause we're, he's from Indiana. Also, oh, true. Yes, so like, that's right. So it's like he was. A, it's a big deal, and they didn't care. Oh. Like, oh, that's interesting. Oh, You're going yeah. on for your recording studio. Oh yeah, like, no, for your recording studio. We this, we put this record out globally. Yeah. And, um, yeah. So oh. it was like uh, good for you I for think, trying so hard. I've given up on my mom for so long. Good for you. Yeah, yeah. My mom. My mom. I'm speaking about my sister. My mom still doesn't care. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> only until the great. The, I, I got to attend. We've we've you know been to the Grammys before with some records. This year I got to go physically hmm. and, um, I think that was the first time my mom was like, what? You're going to be at the Grammys. Like, yes, 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 yes. And she was like fully on board with that. Oh, that's concept. good. She was that's more interested good. about what I was going to wear at that point. Like oh, uh, yeah. the proper clothing. Oh, that sounds stressful. At the Grammys. Yeah. And I was like, mom, I'm going to be in the dark part of the Grammys. Oh, the way, d- way up yeah, there. Yeah. Not on television. <laughs> Way, yeah. way up there. No one. I could wear uh, surf shorts to it, and no one's going to care. It's and the, that is actually true of the Grammys in general. I must say. Oh, really? No, yeah. No one cares what you wear. You're not in the Grammys. first two rows, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't think people care. I, like it's L.A. It's like a city of wild ass. You can yes. wear whatever you want down the street, and no one's going to bat an eye at you. So, sure. Um, the Grammys very much were in line with the, that L.A. culture. Um, I, I asked this to Asmata Kitty about Sufian, and I'm wondering how other artists feel. Does it ever become problematic with a label mate that steals a lot of the spotlight? You know, I mean, we have um, uh, several artists who command a lot of intention, yeah, attention yeah, internally that's true. and externally. Yeah, okay. And I think so long, like last year, 2019, was a pretty outstanding year for us as far as those flagship releases. There was Sharon Van Etten in January, February, I think January. Right. Uh, there was 
and then piling. And then there was Jamila Woods in this later on in the spring, maybe in May, I think May 10th. Mm-hmm. Then there was Bon Iver in August, Angel Olsen in the fall. Right. And I think the thing you keep in mind in those moments is, uh, keeping those releases far enough apart to where they don't feel like they're oh, encroaching sure. on yeah, their territory. Okay, that's true. And then for the thing, the other thing they're paying attention to and that their managers are definitely paying attention to is like on the socials that I happen to run the way you're just like, let's Oh, good point. Love. Yeah. Let's spread the love. Let's show everything we're doing. And like, yeah. I think, you know, and, and it's not always an easy job, uh, that that part of it, the social part of it, just because, you know, when something's getting announced and it's heating up and press and fan alike are excited about it, it's hard not just to go full tilt boogie on that. Yeah, and like, right. That's true. all the way into Bodie Bear for two weeks, you know, yeah, and that's you're like, true. oh, yeah, I haven't mentioned the yeah. campaign and this campaign <laughs> we're going on just because it's, it's like love leads to love leads to love and you just want to follow that trail of cookies, you know, yeah, like, yeah. Um, uh, this is probably how it, it's probably how it feels to be a coach that has like uh, the you know first overall <laughs> draft pick on your team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so you know, I, I I don't know. I think I'm sure there are a couple artists on our label who listen to Boney Bear and they're like, I don't just, I don't fucking get it. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I think that's good. I mean, that's right, like right. you know, I think like that's if you think about uh, you know uh, the way. Uh, HBO plans its seasons and the shows it has coming out. There are definitely shows where you're like, really? Yeah. This is on Sunday and this is on Monday. They just really don't connect for me in right. some way. But that's like, you know, diversifying the yeah, yeah. portfolio and uh, counter-programming and all that kind of shit that <laughs> you so, to think about. So can you, uh, can you give me a history of the label? Because <laughs> sure. uh, I, I, think, I think for most people, and I don't know, I'm, I'm not going to always connect this to Bon Iver. We're going to move on. But I, I, I think for most people, it did come on the radar after the release of Forema. But I, th- I think it goes back further than that. Is, is that right? Sure does. Yeah, okay. in 1996. Um, oh my! It's before my time, by the way. I want to be clear. Sure. I was in uh, seventh seventh grade when this was happening. <laughs> 96. Was not involved. Was yeah. Not involved. Okay. I was. Yeah. I was probably in the ninth grade. What? what oh, 96. How? Uh, do the quick math on that. What, what, what year are you guys celebrating a birthday anytime soon or no, that was, it, Oh yeah. Yeah. That'd be uh, the 16, 2016. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah it came and went, unfortunately, oh my but gosh. that's okay. 96. And, and, and there's like another time that we really consider the birthday because there's, well, I'll get to it. I guess okay. Go ahead. Um, go ahead. Uh, it, it starts with one of the partners. Um, his name is Darius Van Arman. And yeah. He yeah. was, from the East Coast, from the DC, the greater DC area of the belt, I guess. Um, he was going to UVA. I think he was kind of in a weird moment of whether or not, thinking about whether or not he was going to drop out of school. Um, but a, a brilliant guy, a guy who understands mathematics as much as uh, law, you know, and just a, a guy, a, a, a true Renaissance man, a genius. And I don't say that word. I, people use genius yeah. way too much. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. drop it here. I'm going <laughs> to mean it in all its ways. Anybody who's met him knows what's up. That's um, cool. But, you know, he was also at, at UVA and thinking about dropping out of school. And um, I think working at the radio station there, you know, working at like a, working all night long at some sort of like juvenile center sort of thing. And he was promoting shows in um, – a basement of a uh, sushi restaurant called mm. Tokyo Rose. And this was the era where like early days of Bill Callahan talking about 
uh, you know, pavement, like uh, noise shows, you know, and, um, you know, got to just know a ton of people in the scene there and started putting out his initial releases. Um, just one at a time, Hmm. you know, um, and, um, and kind of just like, you know, sending them abroad, and then notice they would get a review or a store would order two of them. You know, and it's just kind of like, and that's mind blowing. I think, yeah. especially of that era when you, you know, you're not communicating regularly over, right. You know, yeah. in the same way we're doing now, sure. uh, by any stretch. Of course. Of and so course. to get those notes in the mail or yeah. emails and orders and things like, I think had to be truly mind blowing, you know, but, yeah. um, uh, at the same time in Bloomington, Indiana, the city from which I'm calling you right now, or you're mm. calling me, um, <laughs> uh, speaking to you right now, uh, there was another label called Secretly Canadians starting. Yeah. And I would say there was a shared aesthetic between the two. Okay. Uh, as far as the releases and in um, and, and the sounds and, and um, size, for sure. You know, I think they were certainly like acolytes of drag city and what was going on there. Mm. Both labels sort of reflected that. Moment. Sure. And, um, and, and, um, so he, uh, the, one of the founders of secretly Canadian, Chris Swanson and Darius, I think just started sending love notes back and forth about what, <laughs> what was, what was going on with their labels and, and artists they were in love with and what was going on. And Chris was also in Bloomington promoting shows, doing the same shit, working at the record shop here, like just figuring it out. And, um, uh, I think that went on for a couple years. You know, I don't know my exact dates. I don't know my lore, but, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, I think at some point they figured out that there was, they had figured out some sort of safety and numbers, financial thing towards like, okay, let's just partner up. Yeah. Keep the two labels. And I think this is around 1999. Why keep, why keep the two labels separate? Why not, why not uh, form a new label? I don't know. They're probably looking to other, I don't know exactly when beggars group began and they, they got to, you know, Oh, I see. Maybe. Matador, yeah. 480. All that sure. was established. I had to be a similar timing. I yeah. Suppose. Or maybe, okay. maybe, maybe it predates a little bit. I think maybe that's what they envisioned as far as like a label group, you know, let's just yeah. do this two label label group. That's cool. They, they had also sort of deduced some sort of, um, um, uh, some idea for a distribution collective, which became secretly distribu- distribution, which we, we distribute, I think 40 some labels now. Wow, and that, right, that, that right. was kind of like a part of this plan, you know, like yeah. let's, let's get together. These will be the two in-house labels, but we'll partner up with friends like, uh, Western vinyl and, um, temporary residents, et cetera. Mm. You know, I think those, those are some of the labels of the time. K records, maybe I, I don't know. Sure. I don't know exactly the first, yeah, right. the first few, but um, and but Chris's one stipulation was like, you got to move to Darius, you have to move to Bloomington, Indiana, <laughs> and so he did that sometime around ni- 2000 and we've been based here for a long, long time. Um, I feel like where where was I going with the bony? Was there a bony bear component to this question? Well, okay, you know what I did. I I asked you that it did, it did come on the radar for Emma. Uh, the the label came on a lot of people's radar when the okay. first record cool. blew up. Okay, I can I can start to shape it in that direction. Okay. You know, and then uh, you know I think every few years there was kind of a level up moment mm-hmm. for just speaking to Jag Jaguar. The same okay. was happening. The same was happening in secretly Canadian too, by the way, oh, okay. um, uh, to where like uh, Ockerville river, all of a sudden there's some traction yeah. with Ockerville yeah. river. 
I would even say, I would even predate that and say there was a moment on a smaller level, but very significant to a certain listener with Oneida. Brooklyn okay. Band, Oneida experimental yeah. Brooklyn band. Um, to where it's like, oh shit, we're selling some Oneida records here. <laughs> and then there was a moment with Ockerville River. And then after that, there's uh, Black Mountain. And then mm -hmm. after that, there's Wilderness. <laughs> and then, you know, in 2000. Seven, there was the bony bear moment, right? Right, two thousand seven. That's I think some. I think that's close to what I read last. Uh, two thousand eight. Two thousand seven. Two thousand eight. Um, yeah, something like that. Yeah, um, that's a long time ago. Yeah, and that, that was before my time as well. I didn't. I didn't start until January two thousand nine. Uh, so I, I believe it was two thousand eight. Bony bear came out. Yeah, uh, and. Um, uh, you know, and that was, and that, I think the math was something, I've heard this, this is part of company lore. It's like, okay, all we need to do is sell 4,000 copies of this and we'll break even. You know what I mean? Right, and that, right. that's what they sold first week. And first the week? week oh yeah, and then gosh. first week it was 4,500 copies. And then the next week it was, you know, and then it was like that ball just kept on rolling and oh rolling my gosh. and rolling and rolling and just became this thing that... What was driving that? Well, I don't remember. Like, I don't. Um, I don't even know if I was really uh, into the record at the time. But well, yeah, I can only speak to it as a fan in sure. some ways because it, it's it's about a year before I started. Okay, but I remember ripping it online the summer before JJUR put it out. Okay, uh, through maybe a song was posted on Muzzle of Bees, a blog called Muzzle of Bees, and I was like, holy fuck, this is like Prince, but it's like desolate guitar guy music. It's like yeah. this guy's singing in this octave. I you know, would it's, never yeah, dare that's true. try, yeah. like, whatever. And, like, um, and it's just, it hit the, it hit the soul, you know, just like this, I, I was getting dumped around that same time, so oh, I nice. was feeling Perfect. the sad guy yeah. time of it. And, um, you know, and, I remember uh, it came out the same time, I think it came out the same time as Boxer from the National, because I remember oh, yeah. both those records were, were hitting on, on uh, everyone was talking about them, and I didn't get both of those. It was like the, the falsetto and the baritone, I just didn't understand it. Now, of course i totally get it and i love them both but yeah um yes what a weird time so it's hard for me to actually it's actually hard for me to think about when uh, jag put it out you know mm. I, I had been an intern for the labels in college and then i moved away for a while moved to north carolina oh okay and uh so that's where all this was going the dumping was going down and me finding out about like ripping this off muzzle b or I, I think it was a track was on muzzle b's and i just did a little like you know, yeah. sleuthing around the internet with yeah. the record somehow. And then, um, <laughs> uh, you, you, so it's hard for me to really say what, what was happening at Jet. I just know that early kind of break even, like, okay, if we do this right, I think it'll work out. And it ended up just what going was it? and going and going. I think it was just the right voice for the right time. I think yeah. all the press was hitting. I think it, I think it fed several different kinds of listeners right at once right i think yeah. uh you know i think yeah yeah it was capturing the imagination of sufyan fans for sure like yes. that type of yes. sad listener i think also there is something like almost like going to like there's something to sort of like gospel about it okay in some yeah. Way too. yeah i, know what you mean. I think it's yep. i think i think it's i think it's i think also like you look at that old co the, the cover on the jag jaguar release and there's like it doesn't give you a lot of hints about what you're gonna hear in a right second. and right. i think it's just like one of those records that you bring your you bring your rucksack to and you <laughs> want to empty your own shit into it yeah. and like 
those records are really, really rare, you know, and everything about it just seemed to, I think that, uh, the ambiguous title, you know, right. ambiguous title of the band and the, the, the record. Yeah, like, that's think, true. You know, there are a million, I, I I don't know. Like, yeah, I'll have to, uh, we should do a special app bonus. App yeah. where we talk to uh, Chris and Darius about <laughs> what they think. What did it? Yeah. I wonder I too, I if mean. that I remember in, in my uh, musician circle that that was kind of a, one of the first times where a solo artist had used a band name. And aside from maybe like dashboard confession or something, but like uh, somebody had used a band name and that kind of set people off on a trend. And then you would never hear a, of a, a guy's name ever again. It, it would be just whatever, <laughs> you know, mountain range he yeah. wanted to name himself after. Right. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe little wings before that was the only one I could think of off my, yeah, yeah. Just off the, off the dumb. um, how but, did, uh, yeah. okay. So how did you come to the label then? I mean, there's something, something big must've happened. Was there like a, a hiring boom after that record or <laughs> maybe, maybe, well, I, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, like to go, uh, I'll dip back into my own personal tale, but like to go on with like uh, the Bon Iver, sort of like how the label came to be the thing that it is, um, you know, in the years after For Emma Forever Go, I think they made very smart, concentrated moves to grow the company, uh, add people, make it truly global. Um, I actually started as an in-house publicist. Hmm. Uh, uh, now we don't even have uh, in-house publicists in North America. We we have one in the UK. Hmm. Um, and so, like, that has gone on and on and on, you know. And, uh, you know, the next Bony Bear record was the one that exploded, won some Grammys, that yeah. sort of thing. Um, That's so, you know, that – sorry, I just ahead. wanted to interject on that record. Sure. It, that's such a um, – a interesting part of the story and to me that's the the i mean it's just so rare for a sophomore project to exceed the debut and i mean there's a lot of people who would say it didn't but I, it was just i mean it it uh i thought it was a better record and i and then all the grammys and it just blew up it just blew my mind that that he could come and do something completely different and and raise the stakes well, I think uh, this might go back to your comment about how you had noted at the time that it was the one of the first times you thought about a, uh, a single human naming the project mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. uh, like it was a band. And I think I think there was some intuition probably within Justin that this thing was going to expand and expand and expand. Yeah. And now you've even seen with this latest record. I mean, that's part of the story of the record. He's like, yo, Boney Bear is not me. Right. It that's is, right. The, it is the guy that I brought on to do art. It is the engineers I love to work with. It's this ever sure, expanding, yeah. you know, gelatinous cube. Yeah. That comes <laughs> that's <that>. beautiful. <laughs> so, you know, and, um, and I think that's kind of badass, you know, yeah. it's, like it's, and so it, it and in the way that, whenever you see um, people from uh, within truly within Boney Bear talk about Boney Bear, it's in that same sort of way where it is like, it's not, it's not me. It's us. <laughs> to use a, That's great. To use a, yeah. to use a Bernie Sanders. Not me, <laughs> us. That's right. Uh, That's true. And uh, um, so, Oh yeah. Back to, okay, back to your story. So yes. Yeah. So I, I'm from North central Indiana, very small town. Uh, Bloomington, Indiana has a large university in it, Indiana University. Um, and the guys who started this company all went here. You know, the Darius eventually moved here. I went to school in like freshman year 2000. 
but I didn't come to Indiana University. I went to Purdue University, which is closer to Chicago. If okay. you can think about it on a map, Indiana University is like Southern Indiana. <clears throat> Purdue University is like up in that left-hand corner okay. of Chicago. And um, I went for that reason, to be close to Chicago, because I thought, okay, I want to go to the city when I graduate. And that's my that's my move. And I didn't really, when you're 18, you don't think about the differences between colleges. I, I, at least I didn't like, Oh, this is really good for my major. I started as a psychology major, eventually started doing communications and journalism, but I started working at the record store there, like the locally owned record store, Vaughn's records, mm. shout out Vaughn's records, <laughs> West Lafayette, Indiana. And, um, uh, really I'd never paid attention. I was, I was like the music guy in high school, you know, I, I was listening to Tom Waits and John Spencer Blues Explosion. How did you get that way? Were you a musician? Did you come from a musical family? Not at all. No. Oh, well, how did you get into Tom Waits in high school? Uh, I re- I like. Well, I don't know. I'm trying to think of how. I can't remember that exact step. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, there must have been somebody. There was no internet. There was no. Well, I I I remember what I would do is actually I was really into. I would go with my mom to the, I always knew that I just had this, I loved the weirdest song that would be on the radio. You okay. know what I mean? Like yeah. something in yeah. me, like it's always like, I was like, God, how could I hear that again? You yeah. know what I mean? Like, and you just have to listen to the radio a lot. One day, months from then it would pop up again, you know? And, um, and you know, even when alternative, the alt station started to come on, I was just obsessed over it. I would, I would stick uh, a cassette tape in my radio at night on the alt station, plus rec- press record, just go to bed and wake up <laughs> and just great. start cataloging it. Same, like my small town did not get in TV when I was like the age where I needed it when I was yeah. like six, seven. So I would go to school to this conglomerate junior high, hand kids VHS tapes and say, Hey, when you go to bed tonight, put this in, oh, record man. MTV for me. Oh, so I man. can have MTV at my house. So I would have like, that's so beautiful. What a great story. I would have MTV red eye tapes, you know, from, <laughs> and I would just, I would record over them eventually. It's not like I cataloged, I wasn't insane. I would, I would catalog them all, but then I would find my, I would, you know, I would, I would say, okay, I need, I need to know about this. I need to know yeah. about this. Yeah. I would go to our school library's microfiche and I would find every story I could on X band yeah. and I would read or Pearl jam and I would read every interview with Eddie Vedder. And when he referenced mud honey, I'm like, okay, what the fuck is up with mud, honey? I'm going to go find out. And I would just like go deeper and yeah, deeper and yeah. deeper and deeper. And like, that was how you did it. But were you buying records? Life. Were you buying records when you were a kid? Yeah. yeah I would do CDs. Was a, a, yes. There was like a large, not a large chain, but like a regional chain called karma records Okay, to where uh, in the Midwest, maybe just in Indiana, um, in, in the bigger towns, bigger cities, and you would go and they had like a little, digital kiosk you could punch in the thing you were looking for it would print out the order and you would take it to the guy at the counter and say hey oh wow. this is what i want right now um i don't want to get too in the weeds on my story but like this is a very i think this is a telling story about me okay. like a, a mom, an aha moment <laughs> so there were a couple other shows that i did get that i would tape all the time uh there was a there was a, a series on uh, public radio PBS called Sessions at West 54th. Okay. David Byrne actually hosted it for a little bit. Wow. But the era I remember he was not hosting. And it was just sort of this venue where they did these filmed, like intimate, sort of almost MTV unplugged type 
performances, even though they were plugged, mm -hmm. but it was just like filmed in that same way. Yeah. Uh, this really intimate way. And then there was a show hosted by Dan Aykroyd called Live from the House of Blues that used to be on TV. Oh, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> and they were on different nights. In my mind, they're both on Friday night, but how could I have taped both if that's true? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so uh, I would just put, I would, you know, I always had some sport or something on Friday nights when I was in junior high, or whether I was going to like this, the actual varsity games to hang out with my friends or whatever yeah. in the small town. But I would always program the VCR to tape whatever show wow. live from the house of blues. And one, I remember putting it in the Saturday morning after I'd taped this thing and watching it. And it was always just sort of like a, uh, sort of a potpourri of who, whoever, you know, yeah. few performances or sometimes it would show like three Sebado songs in a row. And then it would show three, um, you know, uh, what's that band's name? If you want to buy me flowers, oh. go ahead. No, what do they call it? Oh, come on. Uh, yeah, uh, I don't know. All those songs back then all blurred. Like they were all, okay. you know. Yeah. <laughs> moving on, moving on. And then, uh, but one, what, there was this performance of this group called the Fugees, and but it was just a guy sitting in the middle of the stage, just kind of just like very sad dude playing his weird kind of where he was putting his own words in of a Bob Marley song of mm. "No Woman, No Cry," mm -hmm. and I was like this is the most amazing shit I've ever seen. Cause I was kind of raised like my parents were not musical, but there was like Bob Marley legend was always on in my dad's car and, uh, Paul Simon Graceland, you know? So yeah, yeah. Bob Marley was like a big part of my, sure. my childhood listening. <laughs> and, um, and so I went to that record store. I was like, I got to find out about this band, the Fugees. And they're like, Hey man, we don't have any of it. Of this record. We've never heard of this one. They don't have a new record coming out. I think it comes out in three months or something like that. They're like, but we have their old one. And I, in uh, remember taking, I think it's called blunted on reality. You might want to check fact check. Sure, on that yeah, one. I believe sure. it's called blunted on reality. And I, uh, took it to school to like junior high before sports. And I had a little CD player in my locker and we would play songs. We were hanging out before <laughs> sports and stuff. And I was like, this shit is going to be huge. This is like seventh grade. And it was just like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> and I was like, whatever. But then come spring season, I had the Fuji's, the score came out and I took it to school and I was like, this shit's going to be huge. And still, I think Fuji law was the hit then mm -hmm. nobody was paying attention. School year changes. Killing me softly comes out sometime in our freshman year wow. of school. Yeah. And I remember watching or feeling like it was like, Holy shit, Dinas, you called it. You called <laughs> it. Two yeah. Years ago. This is your in first, this is your first A and R moment. Yeah. Yeah. That was my first A and R moment. Unbelievable. And I, like, I knew it. That's and, awesome. Um, so that's like I when I've tried to come up with uh, what the origin story of who I am is, and sometimes that's like a it's not an exact moment, right? It's one stretched out over many, many, many months. Sorry, sorry. But Do you so, tell people that you discovered the Fugees? Is that is that how the story goes <laughs> at parties in Fairmount, Indiana? I discovered yeah. the Fugees for sure. <laughs> you discovered Bob Marley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, that's great. Yeah, uh, so I've been a music fan forever. One thing I had not paid attention to up until I was working at that record store, Bonds Records in West Lafayette, Indiana, was um, labels. I okay. never cared. Yeah. Never okay. looked once. Interesting. Um, never looked once, you know, like... You weren't a liner yeah. note guy? 
yeah, yeah, but more like baseball card stuff. Like okay. who's playing with who? Okay. Who's who wrote this song? Yeah. Like yeah, yeah, who's yeah. guesting on this thing? Whatever. Like I just assume they were all major labels. I had yeah, no idea. I, I you know what I mean? What like, you mean. Yeah, that's true. Uh, it's something I just had not paid attention to. And then I remember uh, working in that record store in college and starting to put on. Um, you know, we'd get promos in, which was my favorite day. You'd get this long box of promos that you just get to play one after the other, after the other from whatever distro group, you know, whether that's Caroline or whether that's secretly distribution, whether that's, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever. And you just get to play everything and you get to judge it with your, you know, whoever your clerk and went that day and kind of be the classic high fidelity asshole or whatever. (laughs) And then, um, but I noticed this one box and that like, there were a couple of Jens Lechman EPs. Maybe it was more actually, I think it was songs Ohio first. I think Jens Lechman came afterwards, but, um, just listening to some songs Ohio stuff, which up until then had been a total blind spot for me. Something I was not into as a, in high school or as a freshman in college. Mm-hmm. And I was like, holy shit, these people are amazing. So maybe I went through that next year of school and maybe my junior year, I can't remember. I think I went through my junior year and like towards the end of my junior year, I wrote them and I was like, hey. Um, or, or no, and then I remember looking finally like, oh, this is secretly Canadian. Bloomington, Indiana? <laughs> what the fuck? You know, like <laughs> yeah. just like, this is happening two hours south from me right now right. and i am stuck in at purdue university and like i had also gotten into iu i just chose not to go here because i think i had you know dreams of being closer to chicago like i said yeah um and being able to go to those shows is there, was and there so, something like, special at, about indiana because is it is polyvinyl out of indiana too uh, I think it's out of Illinois. I think it's out of uh, oh, Champaign, Illinois. I'm thinking I've interviewed another label. It's from all Indiana. the same. No, I same. no. I thought there was another label I talked to from Indiana. There's Joyful Noise. That's out of Indianapolis. I don't think it was them. It, yeah, I don't know. I'll have to search. Okay, but is there something about Indiana musically? Ghostly or? was Ghostly started in Michigan. Oh, that's right, Ghostly. Okay, they're in Michigan. Oh, that's right, Detroit. Yeah. 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 Oh. Um, okay. Let me. Uh, I, I don't going. know if there's anything special about it. I think uh, you know, you just you kind of like scrap together some money with your friends when you're in college and start this thing, and then mm. you realize that being here it really creates like low overhead and oh, right. uh, a, yeah, that's true. A very cool intern situation <laughs> and uh, those sorts of things. Um, so but, you interned um, at a label. Yeah, and so like I wrote, I wrote to them like leading up to that summer. Like I had this. Um, another into like a more journalism focused internship that had not fallen through exactly, but proven to just be financially impossible for me at that moment. Where I was like, I can't, I'll, I cannot afford to just come and work for nothing and do whatever. So I was like, I'll just keep this job at the record store in, uh, through the summer, but then drive down to Bloomington a few days a week to get to know these people and became pretty good friends with like Chris, one of the founders. I, I think it was, I think we had, bonded more over movies at the time. Okay. Uh, he's a movie fanatic. And like, I was, you know, going through all my classic, my Cassavetes vibe college guy. Shit, you know? sure. And, uh, I think we bonded more over that than music. And, um, he was like, Hey man, you should come out to this show with me tonight. And so we just hung out a little bit as yeah. I was an intern. Um, always stayed in touch, graduated. I got a job writing for a newspaper in Charlotte, North Carolina, moved there, but was spending all my money for those several years, four years, whatever it was, on music. Mm. 
um, doing DIY shows in my house. Kind of started this DIY collective with some friends there. I was playing in a couple bands. Um, it was also the heyday of MySpace. Okay. Yeah. Which is a big part of my tale, I suppose, because I, it was, it is like one-on-one contact with bands I loved. Yes, that's right. Phosphorescent. I, I, until I, like, we were trying to book these DIY shows in my house and other people's houses. And we were all like, we we were all people with regular jobs. So we would just like say, you know what, if we got to take a couple, if we got to take $30 out of our pocket to help make this work right that's cool <laughs> or or to buy the keg for the night or whatever yeah. it wasn't yeah. like um you know we didn't mind losing a little money on sure. a good time several times a month and um it's better going better than going out to bars you know? yeah that's and right. um and so i just started writing art like i would see that someone was playing a show in atlanta and then a show in DC and they would have two nights off in between. And I'm like, well, this is a travesty. Let me just hit, you know, hit them up and like, yeah. say, Hey, you should, you should come and play my house. We'll give you some money. We'll feed you. Yeah. You'll have a blast. We'll give you a place, a clean place to stay. Yeah. shower. Yeah. It'll be no big deal. You want to pay for a hotel on those two nights. Right. And, um, it just started working really well, you know? Like, and that was all through my space. But once you help a couple bands out, they all have friends. You know what I mean? Right, and it's okay. just like, yeah, then, yeah. You're, then, then you're getting introduced all the time to so-and-so who needs a show. And then it becomes too much. You're like, well, I didn't really want to do friend rock. I just wanted to do the shit that I liked. <laughs> you know, like, um, uh, that's just kind of how it goes. Yeah. Um, and so I started doing that um, maybe around two th- uh, fall 2008. I was going to take a bit of a road trip. Um with my girlfriend at the time and we were going to come through Bloomington and I think I just wrote to Chris, you know, like, Hey man, if there's something cool going on, let me know. Uh, it would be cool to hang out. Uh, he said, yes, there's a show. David Vanderveld was actually playing a show in town. If you're a David Vanderveld song, great or a fan, uh, he writes great songs. He's on secretly Canadian. Um, and he's like, it's going to be a fun night. So, and this is, you're reaching out to them after, um, for Emma, the, the for Emma time, is that what you're, yeah, for Emma had come out earlier that year. Okay. That's right. This is the fall after. And were you going to tell him that you stole the, a digital copy of it? It was before he even had the rights to it. So it's <laughs> I stole it fair and square. <laughs> um, okay. And, uh, and, um, so, uh, he was like, you know what? You'd be great at this dude. You always write so well about music when you send emails about shit you're into, you should apply for this job that we have opening. We're hiring another in-house publicist and you should do it. And so I, um, as part of that little road trip I was taking, um, did the interview on the Monday I was headed out of town actually. And, um, you know, got the job. I think they tried to hire someone else for it. That person declined (laughs) (laughs) and I got the job, uh, which is fine. Um, and, um, uh, and you were looking for change. You were looking to move over to Indiana. No, not at all. I definitely needed out of the the housing situation I was in at the time. I was not, it was just because I I would love throwing shows there, but like my roommates were just wild and I I just couldn't stand it for another minute or two. And, uh, uh, but I definitely, I wasn't looking for a change. You know, my, the band I was playing at the time was like starting to do really well regionally. Like we could play shows out of town and things were like going well. And 
it was definitely an issue. I, mm. I always feel bad about it. You know, there's yeah. always a yeah. lot of other yeah. reality sure. coming out of my head. If I was stuck around, I also, you know, broke up with my girlfriend at the time to move here. Um, what a sacrifice. So how, how, <laughs> how, I look like a, I look like a thousand dollar a year pay cut to start an indie rock, to be honest, from newspaper to indie rock. Wow. But, uh, wow. but I thought, you know what, man, this is like a one, one. And now I'm, I've far exceeded that. Okay. So it's, things are cool now. Yeah. But and you're, <laughs> okay. <laughs> we can start a little go fund, go fund me for you <laughs> after this, if you want. So, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm into that, but that's what you don't need to. <laughs> so you were working at the record store. So you were familiar with, with the secretly group and yeah. were you a fan of that, la- that label? And 100%. Yeah. And so when I started as a publicist by then, they had started a third in-house label called Dead Oceans. Oh, okay. Um, oh, they just started that? I thought that they, they like, just, consumed that. No, it oh, was... Okay. Um, uh, with with a they brought another partner in named Phil Waldorf. Phil Waldorf, okay. who had worked in the industry in a bunch of different ways um, for a long time, and uh, decided to partner partner with him on a new on a new label. And that had happened maybe this this spring, maybe fall two thousand seven. Okay. They started that with him. So okay. it was a really new label by the time I started. And I started in January 2009. And, and to your question, yes, I'd been starting at that record store. You know, I really just like devoured, because I think I also, you know, I'd interned at a certain point and, and developed a personal yeah, relationship yeah, yeah, with them true. to where I felt like I had some insight into the psyche of the people who worked there and why this was a, like, I remember hearing, I was in North Carolina, I think when, the Wilderness record record came out. Do you know that band? They're from Baltimore. And, um, they play like this. They play, play like this wild sort of like post. Yeah, no, I don't, I'm not too familiar with them. No. Oh, great record. If you hate it, that's okay. Okay, uh, I'll check you, it out. You can also say that this is a safe place to yes. say you're okay. not that into them. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I, I just remember just like this is not what I would expect from Jay Jaguar. You know, like this is wild to me. Yeah. It sounded like it reminded me of like. Uh, Plastic Ono, Yo, Yo Plastic Ono band, that kind of vibe, okay. um, in some weird way, but big and post-rocky, you know, like explosions in the sky version mm-hmm, mm-hmm. of that. And I just, uh, and it's like almost at first, I, oh, this isn't right. And then you started it, it, everything that, like, they just spoke my language. You know? Sure. Um, I felt, and it, prior to, just as I was interning with them is when they were putting out I Am a Bird Now by Anthony and the Jonesons. Oh, right. Okay. And okay. That was on Secretly, but that's like a record that in a million years, I would never have told you that I needed this torch singer from New York's <laughs> drag scene, you know, and like yeah. whatever. And I was just like, enraptured by it. Sure, like yeah, I was obsessed yeah. with that record. I could listen to it a hundred times a day. Wow. And like, I felt like they were just, they were just dialed in on, into the person that I needed to be yeah. or was or whatever. Yeah. And like, just giving me the, giving me the goods wholesale. Yeah. You know? That was a really and, popular uh, record. Yeah. Yeah. That was. And, and when I was talking earlier about like the, every few years, something big happened for each label and I was giving you Jags uh, storyline parallel to that, that, Anthony record was yes. a big one for secretly Canadian. Right, 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 right. Um, so yeah, I was a huge fan. And like, you know, while I was in North Carolina booking shows, I was, I did a show for, um, phosphorescent, wow. um, who was, uh, you know, with the, one of the first releases for, um, 
for Dead Oceans. Okay. Phosphorescence Pride, great record. Um, this these uh, band called Bodies of Water from LA. I did a show for them. This is a great band from the West Coast called the Donkeys. Um, <laughs> that I did a crazy show for them when I was in uh, North Carolina, like at this wild bar called the Thirsty Beaver. That is so fucked up and so great. And right now, if you go to now, then it was in a big barren part of kind of like, you know, the ghetto, quote unquote. Now, it is this, it's like this tiny little um, cinder block bar that's surrounded by massive condos. Oh, really? It's, it's not sold its land. You know, the end to uh, Batteries Not Required? You ever seen Batteries Not Required? The, the 80s movie about the little tiny flying machines and this whole uh, Yeah, I mean, I so think that sounds super familiar, but I mean, I couldn't remember anyway, a thing about it. That's. That's what this bar is like now. It's just like this holdout little establishment. And it's surrounded by these massive, like modern condos. It's it's awesome. Anyway, okay, that's where the donkeys so, played. So I was full. This is all to say I was fully aware of the bands they were putting out. Yeah, yeah. I and came, a fan. I came in swinging. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I I knew people I'd already been in contact with plenty of booking agents. So whatever. today, can I want to ask you today? What is your title today? Director of communications. You said A and R. A and R and communications. Okay. So what was that the past 10 years? Like, what was that ascent? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Were you ambitious the whole time? Were you uh, thinking, I want to, I want to stay here forever. I want to, I want to grow with this. No, Uh, uh, I, um, yeah, I didn't know what I was, I, I, I came into this truly a lamb, like, learning a new language in some ways a fan of the artists i knew a lot of the people but like had no idea what working at a label entailed and um some some days i feel like i still don't some Mm. days i feel like i have it totally down pat Um, yeah but uh no i came in and i think pretty early on i think there were some smaller projects that um so there's a there's we used to do in-house publicity for most projects, there was a project manager attached to each release. There were a couple early on in my, I was a publicist that I was working on that did not have a project manager attached to it. This was kind of an era where not every band we worked with had a manager either. You oh, interesting. I mean? So in, in many cases, you were working directly with, with artists, many, many cases. Um, only at a certain sort of tier did artists start to require them. Yeah, it's time yeah. to get a manager. Sure. The business is this good to where we need someone to look after the affairs in this way. That wouldn't um, be the case today, though. Would you Would you work with a band that didn't have a manager? Uh, there, there is one on John Jaguar right now that does not. Oh, cool. um, but it's kind of the nature of the band that yeah. it, does, it doesn't really require it. Um, okay. So yes, but I would prefer them to have a manager to be sure. honest. With you. Sure. <laughs> uh, because I feel like you end up doing some of those things when that's like not your, uh, not your job. Um, uh, and so like, I think one of my, the, one of the things I was good at early on in that publicist role was really talking about music and figuring out, the intention of the artist to make the music or why there is no intention or like what the record means. And like, just giving, you know, once you can talk references and things that reminds you of and like start telling different stories about making music, it's like, it, like getting along with the artist is a very natural thing to me. Mm. And so I think they were just like, mm. yo, these projects without the project manager, let's just give them to Dynas. Like <laughs> he's already the publicist. Let him do two different 
let him do two different roles at once. He can, it's fine. You know? Yeah, yeah. And it was, it was a little more wild west than I would say than it is now. Like no one would ever do double role. Like and you were, days. you were doing that across all three labels or just the Jag Jaguar artists? Correct. Correct. Which, correct. which one is correct? All I did it across all three. Oh, okay. I, okay. Like the, the whole, the whole thing here is like, uh, um, we share infrastructure across the whole company. Okay. Uh, okay. Project managers, marketing teams. You said in the uh, email that you're the only exclusive Jag Jagger. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> this is my show. No, 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 no. I'm kidding. Uh, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, sorry. It's true. It's, it's, it's very true. confusing. I, no, no. Keep I, going. It's true, and I'm getting, I'm getting around to it. I am the only person that works for just one label company wide. Mm. Which isn't even true in some ways that I might talk about. But, What's the uh, Christmas party like? That must suck. Is it just you? You don't get yeah, to go to the me. other Christmas parties? <laughs> just me in a huge stocking full of money. Stocking. <laughs> 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 um, no, I get to go to the others. Thank God they I just, me. I just on. saw Bishop Allen on the Dead Ocean. I loved that band. Oh, oh man. Same. Click, click of the camera was a click Oh, the gosh. Song. What a catchy. What a yeah, man. Totally yeah. overlooked. Uh, love I those guys. Cast the Nets. Man, I still sing that oh, today. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, um, sorry. Uh, you, um, and so I think, and I was not a great publicist. Like, I felt like there was something, I think you it takes a certain kind of person to do all the certain kinds of jobs in this, in this industry. Mm. And I don't think I am a pub. I'm great at talking about music. Once you get me going, I can like really have at it. Right, <laughs> but right. I, I think there's something about the pitch yeah, and like the following yeah. up on pitches. It's sales. Like, it's sales. It's sales is a weird, dirty thing. Yeah, I mean, but the people that I, I mean, the publicists I love working with, I don't think of them as doing a dirty thing. I'm oh, like, course. Oh, of course. Of course. You're so good at You're so good. God bless them. Like, yeah, exactly. Uh, it's like washing yeah, windows right. on a, like somebody's got to do it on a skyscraper. Like, somebody's got to do it. for you. Yes, like, exactly. And, um, <laughs> and so uh, I just, you know, I, I can't say I was great at it. So I think at some point within my first year or so of working here, they were going to hire a new project manager. Mm. And I think I got to pick that's like, Hey man, which one do you want to keep on doing? Do you want to try for this role as project manager or do you want to keep doing publicity for us? And I was like project manager for sure. Nice. And I think maybe there was some ambition attached to that, to be honest with you, because I think when you're a project manager, you're going to learn more about sort of the other side of the company and you're going to be able to like, you're going to get a couple more hands into different facets of what goes on here. And I think, okay, that's the role that you could potentially grow with further. A a project man, that's not a common job title at a label, I don't think, is it? They call it, well, I think other labels, I've heard it, you know, when you're hanging around, product manager is the Oh, cute. But so, I, I, I prefer project manager because I think the product side of it seems like all you're doing is putting in product orders and things like right. that. And there's, it's definitely more nuanced and people oriented, especially in the day that I'm speaking of, like, you know, that, like when no one had managers and shit and you're trying are to you, like coordinate, you're kind of like, you're keeping the, all the moving parts. Right. Right. So together. while the record's being mixed and mastered, you're kind of. Are are you working on the production side of things as well, or the or the manufacturing timelines, all that? Yep, yep. You're building out budgets, or being or being being a very important part of building out the budget. That sounds fun. Yeah, you're building you're building out the timeline once 
the record is announced right. and all the little fun things that are to happen and when you need if you're going to do billboards in Los Angeles Mm. The company you're hiring and when they go up and how to highlight them and what you tag and who does it. You know, it's like, it's that's like, one of my biggest you, problems. Yeah. You're, you're, you're really relating to me right now. <laughs> you're, you're really like trying to just like, um, you're, you're, you're making sure everybody who needs to know about what's going on knows what's going on and when things are due. And like, I've always wondered, um, so. like if you have a record that is really highly anticipated in the industry or in the whatever, <laughs> um, but you have to get, you know, the the master. You have to get the mastering done. You have to get the uh, the plates done at the the plant. Uh, uh, like these these are things that might have to happen three or four months in advance. But yet the fans and the press have no idea that this record is coming. But you want vinyl ready on the day of the release. Uh, I, I feel like that's such a juggling act to make sure that nobody spills the beans. I mean, there's just trusted partners yeah. in all those different yeah. facets. You know I what see. I mean? Like because that person fucks up you're going to be able to trace it back pinpoint. And, yeah, that's true. And then that person's not going to get much work for those size of projects that everybody wants to be a part of. Good you point. know, it's just like, damn. So there's like, you know, you stay in line because you want to, you want to keep working with these big artists and things. And, yeah. Um, yeah. You don't want to be the person who biffed it. Sure. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so, you know, but things, things happen, <laughs> things happen all the time. Like whether that's in the digital realm, like, you know, like, Oh, oh yeah. Things leak out. Minutes, that's right. You know, yeah. Like, Fuck! That's and, so and funny it, in I Sweden mean, kind of it away. or in like, yeah. Australia. Yeah. I love that. You know, it happens less now than probably in the era that we're talking about like that. 2010 uh -oh. to oh, can you hear some? Yeah, they're coming for you, man. I better let you yeah, go. Yeah, I'm just a little north of the hospital here. <laughs> oh, so, I see. Um, oh, geez. So sometimes this uh, this street right out front is yeah. wild, and and like my office is just like exposed brick on two sides. So oh, chilly. Very loud, and I am on street level. So uh, how do you? Okay, so when we fast forward to going to the Grammys, how do you? Um, <laughs> how do you work? evolve? Okay, so. How do you not just evolve into a major label when you are three labels in one? What keeps you independent? Like, does it become harder to maintain that indie ethos as as more sales comes in, Grammy wins, big sync deals? It would probably, I would probably be speaking out of turn if I knew what at the partner level temptations were from majors i see I, I i don't know i see you know what i mean like, sure. I, I, I i surely don't know yeah i i, I don't think no no if it has happened yeah, i've never course, heard of it of and course. if it and i know that if it has happened they've passed yeah you know? sure um, i think this maybe back to your question the thing that you know is a bit of like a, it's a little bit of a thorn for me is like when I started and, 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 and we can talk about my little bit of a journey into just working for Jack Jaguar too. I don't know how I yeah. edit this down. Oh sure, no, no, right? no. Keep going. People will <laughs> okay. be very interested in this. Keep going. Um, is that, you know, I'm, I'm definitely, you know, I'm a record store guy. Like I love I see. the act of discovery. I love small artists that you build, you know, you're like, yeah. I communed with this artist before, uh, anybody else was taking them seriously and paying attention in a meaningful way. Mm -hmm. And we were started working together at, you know, ground zero. Yeah. And, um, it, that's not something we can really do anymore. Like I was going to add massive. That's we, so we funny. A hundred and something employees globally. Oh, we're like, geez. 
you know, that counts as distribution side of things too. So just yeah, like, sure. it's not exactly true. No, you know what? That's, massive. it's so funny you and, say that. Cause I have a question that says, what chances do you have as a label to discovering the next for Emma CDR? You know what I mean? Like that's, that, that to me is so interesting that you say that, like that it must yeah. get harder to, or you get too big or too established to find those uh, grassroots artists. Yeah, I don't know. I, I like um, maybe by to answer your question, I can talk a little bit about the next phase of what I was doing, mm-hmm. and then there's an example within that to sure. kind of talk about yeah, the last yeah. time I like <laughs> that I've experienced it personally. But I think I can give one more too, actually, as we okay. move on this journey. Um, <laughs> so I was I was uh, the late Richard Swift. He's a songwriter mm-hmm. from the Northwest. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was his project manager at the label. And uh, just had a great rapport with him. I mean, it's hard to have a bad rapport with him, to be honest. So um, uh, I had a great rapport with him. I eventually moved over to proper project management. And you know what? Because the guys at the company trust your taste. And I'm just like, and and this is true of a couple other project managers and people within the organization. They know we're just hungry discoverers of music. And so we're always sending things on like, yo. Look at this. Listen to this thing. A friend yeah. hipped me to this. A friend from New York hipped me to this. Yeah. Check this out. And um, uh, Richard Swift sent this demo of these kids who had given, they'd given him a demo at a New York show. They're called Foxygen. Yeah. And, and I was just like, what? is this like it was mixed so terribly it was blown out it was awful and he goes i'm gonna mix this for them they're gonna give me the 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 uh the files and let yeah. me have at it yeah and he didn't make it much better it was it ultimately <laughs> was just a weird but crazy recording sure. and i was like a, it was like my first true true a and r project you know this is summer of 2011 we were getting he was like sending these and i started talking to rado from the band a little bit and um and so was chris and and, you know and and we were trying to figure out how this could happen you know it was a small enough machine at that time that we could take this artist from out of nowhere Mm. and still invest in them and see like okay i mean truly out of nowhere yeah not written about once, not even on muzzle of bees, you know sure. what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> like, like even, even lesser known than like a small, you know, sort of like uh, blog artist. There was no blog paying attention to them. Wow. Um, but I was just like, please, please can we do this? I begged for months and months and months and months. And, um, you know, that was like in my, like one of the last handful of like truly out of nowhere discoveries that ended up being, monumentous yeah, for the labels. Absolutely. Um, and it's like the next phase of like what I ended up doing is like, I got so embedded with Foxygen. Um, it was right around the same time we were venturing into the management sort of side of the industry okay. and starting this, this company called Fort William management with Amy Spishock. She managed uh, grizzly bear at the time. Okay. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I was just, I started, I guess I, you know, I never consider myself ambitious, but I started thinking like, damn, I should manage Foxygen. Like I know them Mm. enough. Like I I have good taste. Like I could make a really cool management roster if I wanted to. And, um, so ended up doing that and going into Fort William for a handful of years for three or three and a half years or Mm. something like that. Managing Foxygen. Uh, I also managed uh, an artist named Ginny Vall. 
H-V-A-L from Norway. Do you know her music at all? Yeah, that sounds familiar too. Let me, let me search that. She's, she's great. I mean, she's a genius. She's truly a genius. Yeah. Um, uh, this guy named Steve Gunn, who's on Matador. Like, uh, Steve Gunn? Steve Gunn, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we interviewed, well, we did, um, an episode with Three Lobed, and he's done oh, stuff yeah, with Corey. Three Lobed. Corey, yeah. Yeah, dope. Cool. Yeah. Who's kind of like Steve's manager to, or a uh, lawyer too, in some way. Right. Like, right. Handled, well, he handled the negotiations with Nando. I bet. <laughs> he's a, still a full time lawyer. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He's great. Um, cool. I'm going to listen to Corey's episode. Yeah. He probably thinks I'm a dumbass. No, he's the sweetest uh, guy. He's so he was so sweet. I, I loved it. <laughs> he's so it. smart. Yeah. He was actually one of the first interviews I ever did. He got back to oh, me awesome. so quick. He's a great guy. Um, anyway, and so, I mean, I hate, but that was around the time my second child was being born. Um, uh, when I was managing artists, uh, in that first year and man, I got to tell you, it was like, it was a nightmare Mm. and like, it's oxygen more of a particular sort of like. They push the envelope. Sure. They're wild asses. Yeah, like, yeah. They were young guys, like getting like the first hint of like success, and, <laughs> and and so was I. I was a pretty young manager, getting like seeing like a little bit of success, and I right. think you know, I don't know. It was like very weird time. I hated managing artists. <laughs> hated it. I loved talking music with them. Hated it. I had put in my. I was going to uh, quit. <laughs> so, and you would, you would side, you, you would, uh, shift it over from project managing to manage, to managing the artists. Is that right? Right. Right. Oh, right. okay. Okay. Man, and I've just realized how squeaky my chair is here. I'm no, so no, sorry. I haven't heard it. I haven't heard it. You're doing good. Oh, beautiful. Um, yes, I'd been managing for about three years. I just hated it. I was kind of just going through a life change and just like, okay, what, what is my purpose here? Mm. And I was going to quit altogether. And had made that clear to the partners who also were part owners in the management company and, and Amy, who was kind of the outside partner. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Hey, I just think there's a, let's put an end date on this. Let's, let's look out in five months. Let me figure out what I'm doing with my life. I can still love music and not be a part of the, industry yeah. <laughs> and just go on. And, um, <clears throat> and that was the plan for a minute from, for a month or two. And then one day, one day early in the morning, cause Darius was in Spain for something. He called me and he's like, Hey Eric, do you have a minute? And I was like, yeah, it's like, you know, 7am, but sure. Dear. So like, let's, <laughs> let's talk. And he's like, Hey, so I've been like thinking about a role. I want to keep you like, what if I, what if Jag Jaguar, just Jag created a role to where you, be, you're such a great storyteller. You become, you put together the communications plan for Jag, be our director of communications and do A&R for us. And I was like, Yes, dude. Wow. That's <laughs> I like, awesome. I was like, yes, dude. Yes. I, I mean, I, I, yeah. I was like not sleeping very well at that point in time. Like, having, oh, man. I, I didn't know what was next, you know, like, and, and it was months out from when I was officially going to retire. But I remember that day just like, I mean, it's those special moments in life when you can really feel that ball roll off, you know, it rolls right back on in another yeah. way. But um, when you can feel it just like, Phew. Okay. That's amazing. I dodged a bullet. So Beautiful. I, that was like, uh, that was fall 2015. And that's okay. When I into this role. Okay. Five years ago. Yep. That's awesome. Yep. That's yeah. awesome. When I think of A&R people, I think of those assholes on TV shows who stand at the back of the venue <laughs> pretending not to care, wearing a jean jacket. Like, <laughs> you know, is that uh, is that an accurate description of you? Of you? Oh, I mean, I always wear my jean jacket. Sure. And leave in the middle of the first song. 
Um, no. <laughs> I mean, I like, well, I, I have the weird, I have the weird, okay, um, not that my uh, colleagues in A&R in LA and New York are like that, yeah. but I also have like this weird, I, I inhabit this weird space that I live in Bloomington. Yes, that's and right. Lot, that's true. A lot, of, a lot of my, and we have offices now, since I started, we've, we've, uh, since I began my role, uh, since I started in 2009, we have opened offices in New York, in Greenpoint mm. and in uh, LA. Um, we've expanded our offices in London. Um, we've had an office in Austin that now has sort of migrated to New York. Um, so, like, it is not all a Bloomington company. I just want to underscore sure. that yeah. here. Um, I, I, yeah, I read that. Um, but but it, but it's a, it's a it, it is almost like a, an absolute silly proposition to say I can do A and R from Bloomington, Indiana, in this in this era. <laughs> right. Yeah. To go but, see a band live. But I'd say, like, it really. I think I come at it in a way to where I really don't buy into the to the sort of regional hype, you know, the sort of like cool, the cool kid hype. Yeah. Um, right. That's but I true. Like to buy into it in my own way. I don't know. Um, but I think there's also just like, you know, when you talk to someone on a phone for the first time and you're like, I'm actually in Bloomington, Indiana, there's sort of just like, wait, what? Oh, okay. Like, yeah. Yeah. Let me tell the tale. And it's like this. It, it's geez, counter it's to a, that, that uh, archetype that I described. Correct. Yeah. Correct. And so I think it, it is part of the story and like it does help in some ways. Not always. Yeah. Always. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or just like, you know, when, when an, a really young like band band is getting hyped and they're on their first U.S. tour, chances are they might play Bloomington, Indiana because of our university at our small. Little, okay. True. One of our small clubs here. And Damn, when everybody's like standing at the back of the room in New York City, you know, whatever you're talking about, like this is a good place to get real FaceTime with people and have like that sort of like small tour date experience with them. Not always a great night, not always a ton of people sure. there. So but, what does like, they'll remember you and they'll uh, remember like what the night they had, you know? Like this is I think we're in a different era of A and R. This is probably like Absolutely. Well that's what I want to ask you. Talking about, what but, do, what does it look like now then? And I mean aside from those you know, uh, live shows when they tour through town. Uh, what does it look like for you? Are you guys uh, uh, the next step label from from smaller labels? Are you uh, are you still doing deep dives on Bandcamp to find uh, an, uh, undiscovered artists? Like, what does that look like for you today? I mean, yes to both of those. I mean, I'm still like the deep dive guy. Like, I'm never afraid to present something that's just like came out of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I'd say like it is, I don't think, um, I do think we're great for that artist who's established a bit of a fan base. I think we're more like, uh, yeah. Basic span, base expanding at yeah. this point. Um, that w I think it is very hard for us to start with scratch, yes. start from scratch. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it can work from time to time, you know? Um, and it's hard to say why it does or doesn't, you know, I was trying to think about dead oceans. I was thinking about Phoebe Bridgers. Yeah. And, sure. um, I don't know much about her story before the dead oceans record. I gotta be honest. I love that. I have that secretly Canadian and dead oceans are a bit of blind spots to me. Like they exist <laughs> in some other universe because of my like dead focus on what's going on with, uh, Jack, Jack. Well, yeah. sometimes it's true. And like, I watched, uh, I, re I remember when, you know, we were all talking about 
Phoebe on A and R threads, hmm. and like you know which label is going to take it. And we uh, the timeline she was kind of working on was kind of aligned with a an artist named Moses Sumney that's on Jag, and we we're just like I don't think it could work out. You know, it's like yeah. okay, let's just. Dead Ocean's going to take it. Or I can't remember exactly how it was divvied up. Right, right. And um, and just to watch her meteoric sort of fucking rise. Yeah, that's right. been like, damn, like that's another example of what I was talking about. Maybe that's not exactly from scratch. You okay, know? yeah. Um, uh, in the same way. But, you know, I don't know. I always start with a unique voice. Like, and I don't just mean that as like, a singing voice I've never heard. Yeah. The voice yeah, is yeah. just like, where is this coming from right totally. now? Totally. Like, I love to be confused by art. I love to not quite like it at first, to be That's, honest. That is a great place to start, I think. Um, and because I think about visual art a lot, and like a lot of the, 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 the visual art that I return to again and again is always art that I remember looking at it the first time and being like, oh, huh? Yes. Yeah, and then something about that, huh? <laughs> kind of, kind of stays back in there and fucks with you a little yeah. bit. Yeah, oh totally. And, like, and I think it's the same for music. I just think I, sometimes it's it's easier for me to talk about visual art than it is music in some way. Mm. And um, and it stuck, 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 sticks back in there. And, yeah. um, and so I think that unique voice, something you can't quite place, or something that actually it's like, have I heard this song before? Oh yeah! Did I hear this song in oh, the back of my mom's yeah. Cutlass? Totally. Like, and like, that's a very I'm common sure thing. This is this is a riff on something yeah. that I and that eats at you in some way. And so I feel like yeah. those are the things that I focus on. And it doesn't matter how many fucking streams you have on Spotify. If you get my attention in that way, like, so do and you I can't let it go? Then I don't let it go. You do know? you have? Um, Okay, I, I, I'm trying to figure out how to ask this question, but do you have these oh internal triggers that you recognize now that if something, like like you're saying, if something is like you're really kind of uh, distracted by something or repulsed by something even, that you know, hey, maybe I should pay attention to that and, 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 and keep an eye on it? You mean internal, like inside of me? Yes, inside of you. Like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, you know, I don't know. Like, um, I, I can give a great example of an artist we don't work with and probably won't. That, like, I'm trying to talk about him and what it, like, uh, I think one of my favorite living musicians is this guy from LA named Sam Gundell. Hmm. I don't know he, that name. He plays, he plays like, he's approaching jazz and music from this place that I just endlessly fascinated with. Mm. He put out a record on Nonesuch. What's his uh, name? Oh, great. Last month. What's his name? Sam, Sam Gendel. How do you spell the last name? G E N D E L. Okay. Can't spell legend without Gendel. That's what I always say. Um, uh, but he's like, he's just a fascinating musician and, 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 you know, very quiet person keeps to himself. He is. And we've been, chatting about his music for three years now. Like, I think if my colleagues listen to this podcast and hear me talk about Sam Gundell, we'll do a, a face palm because we'll be like, oh my God, Gundell again. The masters can come out of this guy's mouth. He's the one that got away. But it's because I believe in him to the hilt. Like, That's amazing, and, yeah. And what he is capable of. And, yeah. um, uh, and so, you know, he ended up, we're working with him on the publishing side now. Okay. And, okay. Um, but I think that is an example of, 
something that didn't work out label side that is truly special. You'll listen to his record that just came out and you'll be like, holy shit, this guy's a... I will. I will. He's amazing. Like, if you love music, it comes to you, you know? And uh, it's kind of like a weird standards record, too. Well, I'm just just reading the description (laughs) from what you're saying. I already know I love it, which is, which reminds me of, um, I was, and this goes back to what you were talking about in high school, but I I, I remember reading in the Jeff Tweedy book that he said that he used to buy music by reading about, reading the reviews in magazines. And then, and then from that description thinking, okay, I would like this record and going to the record store and buying it. And I, I, I just was like sort of as you're talking, kind of like reading over the none such page and thinking, man, that sounds like I would like it. So I already like it. <laughs> yep. Um, so I think it's just someone I was obsessed with, purely obsessed with yeah. internally. Yeah. Yeah. But that, that's got to, but you, know, you have to somehow, um, there are times where you're obsessed with something so much that might, but it might not be right for everyone else. Do you know how to, that's, the that's difference? Right. We're, we are democratic to sometimes a fault in my opinion. Oh, okay. Uh, no, no, like we're, we're very democratic. And I think that's because like, man, when you come aboard, uh, certainly a label of our size and you, and you want to know that everybody there is a champion of what you're doing, yeah, you know, and totally. not like one person's passion project. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, because that's just going to make your experience that much better and know that you have everyone's a, commanding everyone's attention. Right. And it's not that Sam wouldn't have had that. I just think early on, it was just kind of like, you know, some of the indicators there as to size or whatever weren't quite matching up and that's okay. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But we found different ways to work with him. You know what I mean? We, we have a publishing arm that seemed to be right. Like he and I have a great rapport. Like I do think that one day he's going to produce a young thug track or something that oh right right blows people's minds and you're you know gonna say i told you i knew it yeah yeah like i don't know what it'll be but like uh, you something like that it, i it have an eyes I- in his future i have an idea for you for how you should go about this in the future if something okay. like this i was it, it got me thinking about um uh, a story I heard about how SNL writers will pitch their sketches on at the Wednesday pitch meeting. What they'll if they have a sketch that they really love and they really want to make it on the show, they will pitch something else so that that gets initially denied, and then they'll come up with this as like their plan B, knowing that the first one always gets denied. So maybe in the future, you know, pitch, <laughs> pitch something else before you pitch the the one you love. That's a risky move. Like it's apple. Like so, you know what? One of my phrases I hate most in this world is apples to oranges because at the same time you're like, well, they both grow on trees. They're both stored around. They're both sweet. They both have seeds on the inside. They're delicious they're both fruits. They're both delicious. Like they go on and on. It's like yeah, it's pretty good comparison to be honest. With you. Um, oh, that's great. <laughs> but I do think maybe your like yours is like you pitch that you think you're leading with the artist that's going to like maybe not make it through the gauntlet and mm. whoops, they, whoops they do. You, yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's funny. Um, listen, I won't take too much more of your time. This has been uh, fun. Yeah. I am, I am such a fan of this label. It was such an honor to get through to you through that email oh, funnel and, uh, to chat with you. What's the, uh, so I know we got this, um, this artist series that you're talking about, which by the way, I mean, we were, we floated over it when we were talking about Hemsworth oh, at the yeah. beginning. But anyway, no, no, I just, I mean, that's such a, that's such a cool thing. And aside from that, um, is this, I mean, you have, aside from making partner or getting your name on the side of the building, uh, (laughs) 
is this a great position? Are you happy here? Is this, is, um, are you excited about the future? Are you excited about the future of the music business? Is, are there things that depress you about it? Or, uh, how do you, how do you feel? Oh, that's a big one. That's a big old wide question <laughs> you just laid on me. Sorry. Um, I mean, I think like I am an ultimate optimist, mm. even though I think I do I dwell in the dark thoughts a lot. Yeah, same. I usually come I usually come out of it with like like things will get better. Sure. Know? Like yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know whether that's upbringing or something like inside or whatever it is, or just because of the things that I love in the world. You know, I'm not sure. Yeah. But um. And this is a very weird time to answer this question. It too. is. Like, it uh, is. Right. The last in the, couple yeah. months have been a real, uh, or last month and a half, whatever it's been. Yeah. You know, it's been a real shakeup to our release schedule. We've had to make some decisions about when things are coming out and how. Interesting. Like, that kind of relates to the Interesting. Of project that I, I speak to. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's, it seems like a, a, a weird time right now. Yeah. But I, uh, you know, I do think that we work in an industry and do things that people have needed since the beginning of time. Sure. That they've always used. Sure. Music as a tool for storytelling yeah. and for relief yes. and for hope and for, and that's not going to stop. Yeah. You know? There might be powers that actually try to stop that, but it's not going to stop. <laughs> um, and, um, that's true. you know, and I think that's what, like, that's why I feel kind of unshakable in my belief about that's what we're point. doing here. Yeah, and yeah. so, um, and it's true. People yeah. are going to look back at Jag Jaguar in the same way that we might look back at Sun Records and think of the golden age of streaming or something. And Fuck, I hope so. And I hope you're right. <laughs> <and> they, <laughs> they might just think that we, we had it all in our time. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and like, and as far as my position and like where I, you know, like I, I, I do have a little bit of ambition. Like I mm -hmm. think my, my, my qualities and the things I'm good at are less technical and probably lean a little more towards like the artistry of it mm. uh, and the creative sides of it. I would love to develop a role that's a little more that even leans into that a little more, what yeah. that would be. I don't know. Well, from your story for the yeah. people that run this place have been very accommodating. They're really good at denoting, um, what people across this organization seem to be good at hmm. where their skills are, like where they fit and right. kind of shaping things that sort of help them push them along in, in like, I'm a prime example of it. I can think of 10 more. You know, that's and, amazing. Um, so, you know, like, I, I mean, my hope is to be here for a bit longer. Like, it's, <laughs> it's definitely like, you know, in this moment, in this sort of like isolation moment where you see lots of uh, friends who are writers and friends who are artists struggling a bit or sure. worrying a bit. Like, yeah. um, I feel uh, very grateful. Yeah. I'm in an organization that is you know, gonna, gonna weather this thing, you know, um, mm. and not, not going to see a ton of change. Like, I think it's going to take some lumps probably, but lumps that are going to, should not affect the people, um, the people who work here. So, well, and I think yeah. the, the reputation of the label, and this is someone from, you know, before talking to you, I, I didn't really know much about the label, but the reputation, uh, from my, from my viewpoint has always been great. And, and, 
all the pieces and and I follow Darius on Twitter and the things that, and the messaging oh, nice. I've heard is uh, it's always positive. It's always um, and so it's great to hear that from you. I mean, you could be lying, but it's great to hear that from you. Yeah, I'm lying. <laughs> the only <laughs> the only thing we have left to do is to convince your sister that you have a legitimate job. So hopefully, maybe she'll listen to this. Courtney, if you're out there. Courtney, Courtney. if you're out there. It's a real I'm gig. On a podcast. God damn it. <laughs> He's been on two podcasts. <laughs> two pod, a coronavirus centric <laughs> podcast and a record label podcast. People are curious about my opinions on shit. Um, Thanks for doing this, man. This has been a, a blast. Man, you bet. Thank you, friends, for listening. Make sure you check out Jag Jaguar. I would recommend going to a record store, but I don't know if you're allowed to do that where you live. Um, but uh, you probably don't need to because you already have a Jag Jaguar record in your collection, I'm sure, somewhere in there. Um, thank you for listening. Make sure you go to our website, otherrecordlabels.com, where we have previous episodes of the show, and we also have some resources for the people who are starting a record label or DIY musicians who manage their own career or if you are in the position of thinking about starting a record label, head to otherrecordlabels.com. Thanks so much for listening.